Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. Today, I've got a great friend with me, Gary King. Gary is just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina in a, in a town called Cary. And Gary and I met uh, probably close to a decade ago, maybe a few years after that, in fact. And, uh, and we've stayed in touch ever since. And we were just talking before launching the podcast that everyone has a story and it's important to tell that story. So Gary, that's what we're going to get into today with you. And um, I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you, Chad. I'm, I'm honored and thrilled to be a part of it today. Man, so um, before we go deep, Gary's with NVIDIA. He runs an inside sales team there. And, and Gary's become quite an expert in the Northeast, in the inside sales world. Um, before we kick off into the, the official questions that I have for you, Tell me a little bit about the book that you just wrote about your dad and about, wasn't it a letter from, I want to say 1951, but that sounds like a long time ago. Yeah, it was, uh, the, the, the title of it is The Unsigned Letter 50 Years Later. So it was in 1970, my dad sat down with the secretary and spoke, dictated to her, and she wrote in shorthand a letter. And it happened to be the night before my parents died in a plane crash. So the letter that was dictated, she actually typed up 10 days later after the plane crash and the funeral services and all this stuff and sent it out to a couple of people that it was addressed to. And this letter ended up in a book of collections that my, you know, from my dad's letter writing articles and things like that. And um, it was an amazing letter that the last paragraph almost sounded like an obituary about standing up for the freedoms that we have and how important it is, how he was willing to lay his life down when he fought in World War II and in the Korean War. And he said, as a, as a husband and a father of seven children, I'm ready to lay down my life today for the freedoms of our country. And he did that the night before he died in the plane crash. And so it was an amazing letter. And who it was addressed to, I wanted to get more of the context. So I tracked down the people that were involved in this 50 years later, wondering if they're even alive, and um, found that these three key people were, were living and doing very well. 
I reconnected with them, had great conversations, and that led to me writing this book, which was was pretty amazing. Mm, wow. And it was a great read. I, I You sent it to me right before I went to our very first Living a Better Story. We've renamed it from a retreat to an intensive because it's four 12-hour days of intense diving deep into your story. And uh, But yeah, I remember reading that right before I went, and it, it just... It was so impactful going into the inaugural Living a Better Story exercise and realizing the, the level of ripple that we can have as human beings on people that are around us, not just in the day and age you're living in, because obviously he impacted a lot of people, but even now when you write that letter and I read it and I read parts of it to people at the event. So it's pretty neat how you can ripple legacy can can really carry on for a long 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 time yeah a good friend of mine wrote to me after he read the book he actually called me and he was in tears he just said when i read this what really hit my heart is that you signed that letter for your dad Mm. (laughs) it was really pretty cool it really had an impact on me wow well since we're here my wife's uh dad was in a small plane crash. He was, he was a pilot and then, but he didn't fly that day. And the other pilot clipped it on the lines and they flipped and dropped a hundred feet and that was it. And so I never met the dad and then the mom died of cancer. And so before we got married, um, you know, I felt like you, you're supposed to ask the dad, you know, when you're going to marry your, your wife. And so I wrote a letter and attached it to helium balloons and then when I proposed, I read it to, to Tracy and then we launched him up. And oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Pretty neat experience. I figured you would appreciate that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's rewind the tape because obviously we kind of cut to the chase scene and you've written an amazing book and I'm, your dad, I'm sure would be just blessed and honored that you did that for him. Like, that's awesome. Let's go back to when you're younger. Some of your first memories, five, six, seven, eight thinking about your parents, thinking about where you grew up, what was your passion when you were younger um, in, in some of your first memories? My passion was sports. I loved every kind of sport, loved to participate, loved to play, was just on the go constantly. The only time I would sit still is if I could watch sports on TV. And back then there were only three channels. <laughs> so it wasn't like there was all kinds of sports to watch, but Um, But I was active. I love, you know, running and playing and doing everything I could. Baseball was my real passion as I got a little bit older. But the only other passion I had was teasing and tormenting my six sisters. Oh, wow. I had no brothers, six sisters, and loved them dearly. But um, they'll probably tell the story about how I was, I tormented them for a long time. And you were the older brother? I I had one one older sister and five or younger. Okay. Wow. My wife has five sisters and a, and a younger brother in their family. And oh, then I so just saw my brother-in-law and they have four girls and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Estrogen family. Yeah, there you go. So thinking about your, you know, fascination or passion for sports, if you, if you were to tie that back to now and you look at what you're doing today, is there a, is there any kind of parallel there? Absolutely. I mean, just the, the nature of sports is compet- competition. You, know, you want to be competitive. You want to win. And sometimes you compare yourself to other people. 
sometimes you compare yourself to situations and all this, but really it's, it's gotta be internal. You know, you, you look at yourself and am I doing my best? Because everyone is different. Everyone's unique. So I want to be able to perform and do my utmost for his highest. And that's ultimately where it goes. Mm, that's cool. Did you go think about that? Uh, did you go to church when you were a kid? Like where, how did your relationship with God change over the years? Or was it always the same level of strength that it is? You know, it certainly varied, that's for sure. But I, I grew up in the church, was very thankful for Matt for that. My dad happened to be on the board of trustees for a missionary society. We'd go to the annual convention. Our family would sing there. We'd participate. And uh, so God was always at the center of my life growing up and forever. <clears throat> when I lost my parents as a teenager, you know, it was devastating. It was, it was, uh, it was horrible. Uh, we were able, because my dad had done some good financial planning, for us to be able to stay together, be raised, raised together, educated. And so for that, I'm really grateful and thankful that we didn't get split up and moved all over the place. So, you know, there was that aspect of, you know, God was always at, at the center of our lives. Yet, after that tragedy, I certainly went through that, those times of feeling sorry for myself, of wondering, like, why would God allow this and all this kind of good stuff? So it drove me. It drove me to want to get some answers. And the clarity of those answers came from the scriptures. It wasn't someone's opinion. It wasn't someone standing up, you know, with some sermon in, in the pulpit that changed my life. It was going to God's word and seeing what God's word said himself. Because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And it wasn't, and even though there was plenty of people that would attribute this to an act of God, which, you know, the newspaper, you know, the, the, the titles of the article would say an act of God. But, you know, I, I learned and found out a lot better. But God is light. He doesn't want, he, it's our adversary who has a mission in life in John 10, 10a, which is the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he has power in this world. There's no question about it. But Jesus Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And therefore we can, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. And because of that, you know, you can thrive. We're still in this world. It's still a mess, but we have so much to be thankful for and grateful for. And that's why God being at the center of my life through the years, even though I had some times and ups and downs, I knew that that's where my life was focused and centered. Mm, I love that. Um, there was a Bible verse that we read, and it was a whole chapter um, in a kid's version, and it was printed in 1954, Marion's Bible ver verses or something. And it was the same one I had when I was a kid. So I brought it to our first retreat in March. And, um, and it talked about how, you know, Satan talked to God and said, hey, you know, I don't think you're, you know, you, you don't have more power than me. And, um, and so he goes and says, okay, we're going to tempt this guy with this and this and this, and just kept tempting this guy. And he never failed. And it was because he just had the faith, right? And, and, it, and so that was blind faith. And it's, it's interesting because uh, obviously blind faith is we all have to have that. There's one verse in the Bible that I found recently, Malachi 3.10, that talks about tithing. And, and now I've come to believe Tithing isn't just the 10% you give to church. Like that's, that's not tithing. Tithing is your 
time, your talents, and your treasures. So when I read it with that context in mind, it says, when you, it says, tempt me on this one. And God doesn't normally say, tempt me on anything. Well, the, the, the word in different translations, it's prove. Prove me now herewith. Prove. That's that word. We're, we're to prove. God's promised it. We just walk out on that promise and we prove that promise to be true. I don't, you know, you may use the word tempting. It may be a different word that people use, but you're actually proving this to be true. Mm. And then that God will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There won't even be room enough to receive it. It's a great verse. Yeah, that's, and I'm, you know, cause you've heard the gates of hell and that thing, but rarely do you hear, you know, all the treasures of heaven and the heavenly yeah. gates. And, you know, it, it's a pretty, I'm, I'm really, I really, really liked coming across that one recently. Um, so you talked, you know, obviously it, it, it seems to me that losing a, your parents would be the, the biggest thing that could happen in your life that, that changed the course for you. Um, is there, you know, are there other mountains that you've had to face or, or is that, is that the one that you just, you know, that was the most, you know, that was the biggest for you? What, what There's no question that that was the biggest for me. And it's not that that defined in my life, but it certainly set in course the action for me of this. Am I going to play and be the victim my whole life? We've all had stuff happen to us, you know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever it may be. And we can play the role of the victim our whole lives. Or I like to call it from victim to victor, to be the victor and overcoming because of what the promises of God are in our lives. We can have that life and have it more abundantly. We can enjoy it. It's not going to be perfect in this life. It's not going to be till we're gathered together and we live throughout all of eternity that it's perfect. But in the meantime, we can rejoice in the truth of what we do have. And that's why from victim to victor has been the biggest thing for me. And it's enabled me to go down the path of not looking at myself, but looking at others and how I can help them. And that was a game changer for me after losing my parents when I was looking inward and miserable, feeling sorry for myself. What changed it for me was when I really turned my thoughts on my sisters and helping them and supporting them and encouraging them and being that big brother for them. So that's where it really became a different game for me. Instead of feeling sorry for myself, I turned it around and made it a strength of like being passionate and empathizing with other people. And that's where I come back to what Jesus Christ talked about. The greatest leader is the greatest, greatest servant. And that's why even in business, I've gone that, that route of servant leadership. The old Ken Blanchard books that he written the really great stuff. Mm, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, thinking about what you're working on now you've talked a little bit about it what what you know what lights you up now what you, you were passionate about sports when you were younger uh what's the what's the second half look like for gary king you know i i'd put it in two categories <clears throat> number one is family you know fa family means everything to me and it's and it's it's not just my physical family but my spiritual family but you know physical family right there i mean i love i've got four children I've got seven grandchildren. I'm actually just meeting my seventh grandchild for the first time. She's two weeks and two days old today. 
So it's just pretty exciting. You know, being with grandkids, grandchildren are just the best anyway, right? But but my passion is is family. And, and I talk about, you know, the physical family, spiritual family, and even business family. There's people that you built relationships with, like me and you, even though we're brothers in Christ, you know, that initiated and started by being business associates, if you will, in the, in the association we were part of. And I love that. But the second part of what I really am passionate about is that avenue of serving and helping other people. I like to say, when someone, someone asked me the question one time, how would I define success for me? And I said, if I can help the people that I manage to be successful, if I can help them be successful, then I'm successful. And if I can help the people that I report to, if I can help them be successful, then I'm successful. It's really not about me. It's about the people whom I serve, and that goes both ways. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about servant leadership. And the other part of my passion begins with family. Mm. Um, a big topic these days is work-life balance. And I think there's a lot of mixed feelings on that statement. How do you uh, look at that equation, work-life balance? I actually interviewed someone this morning and I told them this very thing. <clears throat> I was saying, I said, you know how you have to have, you have work, you have your work life and you have your personal life and they're separated, right? And they're like, yeah, right. And I go, no, I don't agree with that. Because as a manager, if I'm managing people and helping them and supporting them, if they have an issue going on in their personal life, it's their personal life and that's theirs. But if it, if it can affect them, which how many things in your personal life don't affect how you're doing your job day by day? So I said to the, so I tell this person, I said, look, <clears throat> my concept is this. I welcome you to share with me what's going on in your life. You're not required to, you're certainly not supposed to, but I welcome it because it will help me to understand and empathize what's going on in your life so that I'm better capable of supporting and serving and helping you. And people just kind of, when I share that with them, they kind of go, wow, that's great. Because they want that. They want that kind of relationship, not to micromanage someone, but to certainly help and support them in every way that I can. And I happen to work at a giant company that you're just a number, right? This company is filled with people that are passionate about caring for other people. And that's what makes it extra fun working in a company like that. But yeah. it is that, that passion for caring about others is a big deal. Well, I remember there was one guy in North Carolina that worked for me that wanted to move to California. And because we had that open conversation dialogue, he just brought it up one day. Hey, I'm looking to move there. And he's like, I know we have an office there, but I don't, I, I think cost of living and everything. I don't know if I could actually do that. I go, Oh, I know dozens of people. Let me help you find a job there. And he's like, what? You mean you would do that? And I was like, yeah, it's not, a, this team will come and go. This company will come and go. Yeah. It's really, you know, let, let me help you. And then, and then he ended up working for us for, I think another six or eight months yeah. and, and he crushed it. Um, yeah. The rest is history. So I think that the, yeah. the, the whole work-life balance is such an individual thing. It's different for people. Yeah. I actually report to a guy who is what we refer to as a dink, you know, dual income, no kids, you know, so his lifestyle and his concept of thinking and working is different. 
he can work till nine or 10 o'clock at night and enjoy life. I can't, I've got family that, that are, are meaningful. I've got to be able to turn it off and devote myself to my wife and my children and my grandchildren and spend that time with them. I, I, that's me, I've got to do that. That's my passion, that's my desire. But that work-life balance, I say is different for everybody and that's why it's so important to manage people the most difficult way. The easy way to manage people is you set the rules and everyone abides by the rules. That's the easy way to manage. Square peg, round hole, doesn't matter. Everyone's doing it the same way. The hard way, the most difficult way, but the most genuine and caring way is to consider every individual and how it works for them. Yeah, that's right. Um, so talking about big companies, having faith and sometimes articulating it or showing it uh, can be a sensitive thing. Um, yeah. with legalities and state and federal and the laws and everything. Um, I did actually attend a C12 event not too long ago, if you've heard of that, and it's for Christian leaders. And they handed out a binder with a lot of the laws that say, well, you, you actually do have more leeway, you know, what, what you're allowed and not allowed to do. Um, what do you say, what's your philosophy on having faith in a complex business environment and how do you, you know, share that with other people or do you? There, there's a lot of one-liners that you could say. I think there's a lot of things that have to be considered. Jesus Christ, when he was tempted that one time said, here's a coin, right? Render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. And there's things in the world, in the business world, that that relates. You know, it's not like I'm going to do something evil, but there's things in the world that I will, I will not beat somebody over the head with my Bible in, in, in the workspace because it's the truth and it's loving, you know, there's no loving and there's no truth in that when you're doing it that way. There's, there is a way to show it, you know, do all things with kindness. You've got it right there on the screen, right behind you, Chet. And there, there's that pattern of living that there's that great poem you may have heard that says, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Mm. And that's really true. We want to be an example to other people in how we live and how we speak and how we communicate and how we act. And people are going to see that and read that and they're going to go, what's, what's that all about? What's behind it? And that's that great verse in, in uh, First Peter that talks about, we're always ready to give an answer to anybody that asks the reason of the hope that's in you. Why are you acting that way, Chad? Well, let me tell you. And when that door opens and you have that opportunity to share, but, there, but there's this element of walking in wisdom, right? When I was young, I like to say, when I was young, I was a real whiz at being dumb. And then as I grew up, put life together, so I have wisdom, you know, and there's a little bit of that wisdom factor that comes into play with work and dealing with that stuff. Mm, that's powerful stuff. Um, if you could, you know, this is, here's the sales related question for you. If you could wave the proverbial magic wand and change something in, in your life, what would change everything? Or is there such a thing that would be just, oh my gosh, that happened. What, what is that? Um, change, I, you know, let me put it this way. When, when I was considering getting married and I was at that time in my life, I'd already passed my mid-20s, and I'm thinking, 
you know, I need to get married. I want to get married. I want to find the right girl. You know, there has to be the right girl for me. And I put my list together. Here's all the things I want in a woman. I mean, I grew up with six sisters. I had a beautiful mother. I had a wonderful mother. These are the things I knew I wanted out of a woman. And I came down to the point where there was, there was one thing that I could put it all together in one, one line. And it was this. I wanted to find a woman that would help me to get the most eternal rewards. When you think about it, what's, what's all this stuff in life worth? Here, nothing. It's all of eternity that matters. And God has promised us eternal rewards for the things that we do in love and, and we stand faithful to his word. I, I wanted a woman that was going to help me selfishly get the most eternal rewards because if, if I had that, then I knew I would be loving her. I'd be treating her as my queen, especially with the last name of king. And you know, this, this is the pattern of my life. So I'm thinking that would be it. I think what happened though, when I found this amazing woman that I'm married to, is that the reverse happened. I have helped her to get more eternal rewards than she ever dreamed of because she has to put up with me. <laughs> That's outstanding. Um, I had a guy to the fire pit recently named Dr. Jim Wilder. And he is a neurotheologist. Mm. And he said that in the Old Testament, there's something like 614 simultaneous laws. And, and you'll tell me if this is, a, is incorrect, probably. So that's <laughs> the number I remember. And he said that for a person to make a decision, you'd have, there's, if, you, if there's two choices, you go two to the power of 614, because they're simultaneous laws you have to consider. And he said that would be all the known neurons in the entire world times two in the known universe, not the world, known universe times two times 3.14. And 3.14 is pi. So I think he tricked me into saying it's infinity number of choices. Right. So I said, well, then how does, because I was starting to write a kid's book about making good choices. And he's like, man, that's a fool's errand almost, right? <laughs> <laughs> According right. to what, right? And in today's yeah. world, man, that's so complex. And so he, he said two things that stuck with me that resonate with what you just said. One is the, what would God do? Like, Hey, this is above my pay grade. All I can do is try to think if he was looking at me and saying, Hey, Chad, you should do this. Right. That would be one. But the second that he said that resonated with me more was you need to optimize your decision in the here and now for eternity, for what will, what, what's the best potential outcome at the end of time or throughout eternity. Yeah. And so the fact that you caught that in your mid twenties, looking for a, a wife that would help you and you help her with that mission is pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. So I, I gotta, I gotta finish that thought because you know, you, you, you built upon that really wonderfully well, because if it's coming down to changing things, changing one thing, you know, th that has, that has the sound of, I'm gonna go down to the altar and everything is gonna be perfect now. And that's not the way it really works. It's a day-to-day -day story. I mean, it's, it's, this, is, this is your podcast, living a better story. And it really comes down to that verse in Romans chapter 12, verse two, where it talks about transforming, transfiguring, 
That's the change, like a butterfly. That's that Greek word metamorpho, from we get the word metamorphosis, which is the process of transformation. It's not a one-time big change, one deal. It's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, second-by-second decision that you're making, like you're writing that book about the children. Choices, making the right choices. So, you know, what, what are the choices that we make? Our identification that we identify with in making our choices is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's not what would he do, it's what did he do. We have been enabled and empowered. And that's, to me, the change that we do that's a big change every day, every moment of our lives. Well, and then what Robert, I believe is who said this, Robert White at the, at the uh, latest event that we had, and he said, you make the best decision that you can make at the time you make it. And so now that I have more information a year later or three months later or two years later, it, you can't go back. You made the right decision at, the, at that moment in time based on, the, based on the cards that were on the table. And, and so, you know, getting your arms around that is also important to understand what you can do with what you've got. Um, all right, let's see. If you go three years from today and we're back on the podcast and you say, Chad, this has been the best three years, you know, I can't believe it. What, what would you tell me has happened? You've met your two, two week old, I assume by then. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here with her now. Okay. And I'm having a blast. Um, you know, it's, I, I love doing these exercises in projecting forward and looking back and what would you change now type thing and projecting forward to say what, what has been so great about the last three years. You know, I'm at that time of my life where I'm moving toward retirement, right? So I wanna be able to, you know, position myself and find new ways and other ways to serve, to give, to help. You know, that's the personal side of that part of it. From the business side, I wanna wrap up my career, you know, reflecting on the positive impact I've had on other people with their career and the company I've been working with, you know, and what new ventures are out there. Cause there's, there's some things that I'm involved with that I just, I think could change the world. I, I love looking at this and saying three, the next three years are going to be the greatest years of my life. I'm excited about it. Outstanding. I like that transit transition period. It's I, like at the Super Bowl 50, I was like, okay, that's halfway to a hundred and I looked at, I was there on the eight, uh, eighth row of the Super Bowl 50. And, and what was crazy was that morning, my grandmother passed away. And wow. yet I smiled because I had seen her two weeks prior and she was happy as a clam playing cards with her friends at the facility and just love and life. And so, but it was like, okay, the, cir- the circle of life. And I'm like, okay, I'm halfway down the 50 yard line and this is 50 years and grandma just, you know, and it was like all in that one day. And, um, and you just start thinking of, okay, what are the next nine holes going to look like? And focusing on the, on the kingdom and the eternity, like that's the game I'm, I'm involved in playing in as well, just like you. So 
Right. Very cool. Um, all right. You've, you've oozed faith throughout and by being able to recite Bible verses. Um, now you do have an internet in front of you. So I will call that out as a, you know, we do have that luxury these days. So we don't have to memorize these things. Uh, it's all accessible to us at any yeah. given time. Yeah. What, um, if you were to describe the role of faith in, in your life, how would you describe it? Uh, one word, I'd say everything, you know, at times it's very challenging to be in this world, but this is what I really remember with regard to faith playing a role in my journey of life. I just remember that I'm only in this world. I'm not of this world. And that's, I get, I get to have fun doing this knowing that there's a, a lot greater thing that's coming for me. And that's, that's our lively hope. And that's one thing I've held on to since losing my parents. I know there's a day coming where I'm going to see them again. We're going to be gathered together. It says the dead in Christ are going to be raised from the dead. And those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the air together. And we'll be with the Lord forever. So that's that vision that faith plays a part of life. There's believing, faith, there's hope, and there's love, those three. And right now, the greatest thing that we have is the love of God, to live and share with one another. But ultimately, that faith that, that, that I have that's been a role in my life leads me to our hope, which is forever and ever. So I'm going to ask you a bonus question because this one's important to me personally. And I think you might have a little bit of a key that you might be able to help unlock. So a friend of mine, his mission in this stage of his life is to grow closer to God. He's also said that he believes God created the game of life, but that it's all up to us to play. And I, I felt that there's a belief system rooted that says, I can't talk to him. Like it, it's, he just made the game. Yeah, I get it. He built it. He built the mountains, but then he said, you guys are on your own. That that's what my read is of the way this particular person makes certain statements. If you were to sit across from this person and try to articulate why God is alive and how you can connect to God, what would you say to him? You know, th there are choices that people make and whether or not they choose to believe that God is real, God is there and there to help them both to work and to will to do of his good pleasure. Um, you know, I, I, I have this great sense of loss. There's a, there's a line in the scriptures that talks about without God and without hope in this world. There are people that do play the game that way. And, and I would build up, there's a lot of illustrations that people use to describe their life and situations that they're in. So I would look for a way to describe a part of the game that maybe he's not getting. And that there's a, there's a part of the game that's really important. Every game has a rule book. And if you don't know the rule book and you're not playing by the rules, you're going to mess up bad. You're going to miss the game. You're going to lose or whatever. There is a rule book for the game of life, and it's called the Bible. It is the word of God, which is the will of God. 
And when you go to the Bible and you let the word of God speak for itself, you will learn if you have ears to hear. So there's how you deal with a guy who's got the game of life in his mind. Mm, that's big, man. Yeah. I mean, just the, some of the things I've lived through in life recently cause you to say, okay, there's other people generations upon generations before me that lived in those times 2000 years ago. And when you start digging into it and you're like, whoa, that's exactly, I feel that, you know, I can, I can breathe exactly what they went through and what they were breathing. So that's very good advice. I knew you would have a good answer. Like that. <laughs> Thanks for the curveball on that one. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. That it wouldn't be living a better story podcast without a few curveballs. Well, this has been fabulous. Um, you know, I, I know our good friend, Kevin Gaither, you probably have followed him a little bit. We, yeah. we met, I think that very first event at that yeah. time. Yeah. Since then he was the SVP at zip recruiter and right. I think they just went public recently. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. so life is good for Kevin and, and sure. I know he, he's been a good friend too. So Gary, happy glad to have you on the show today. I, I just thank you for sharing everything that, that you've shared with our audience and um, man, we all face difficulties. I talked to another guy who lost his leg from drugs earlier today, and and it, but he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him in his life. Wow! And and that's because he hit bottom, and then now he's recovered, and now he can help a whole lot of other people through those challenges. And uh, well, Chad, I I appreciate you, and I'm thankful for you. Uh, I think what you're doing with this podcast is fantastic, helping others to you know, in living a better story and uh, living their life for God and his son, our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Great stuff. And it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast today. Great to catch up with you today, Gary. Gary King at NVIDIA running an inside sales team on the East Coast and bringing God's glory here to planet Earth. So thank you, Gary. God bless you, Chad. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.